Well, this week we are in chapter 21 of our book, Spiritual Depression, the final chapter of this study, and the chapter is entitled, The Final Cure. The final chapter, entitled, The Final Cure, and the text that Martin Lloyd-Jones uses as the springboard to talk about the final cure is Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 And the Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And Lloyd-Jones begins noting at the bottom of page 289 that this statement of Paul's made near the conclusion of his letter to the church in Philippi is a statement that is characterized at one and the same time by a sense of triumph and by humility. Jones says, quote, He, Paul, sounds at first as if he were boasting, and yet when you look at his statement again, you will find that it is one of the most glorious and striking tributes that he has ever paid anywhere to his Lord and Master. It is one of those paradoxical statements in which this apostle seems to have delighted. Indeed, it is the simple truth to say that Christian truth is always essentially paradoxical. It at one and the same time exhorts us to rejoice, to make our boast, and yet to be humble and to be lowly. And digging deeper into the meaning of Paul's words, Lloyd-Jones gives an alternative translation to help bring out the fullness of what Paul is saying in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. And you'll notice here that while Martin Lloyd-Jones appreciates the authorized version, the King James Version of the Bible, he by no means is a radical KJV-only proponent. He says there in the middle of page 290 that a better translation of Philippians 4.13 would be, quote, I am strong or made strong for all things in the one who constantly infuses strength to me. He says that's a better reading of Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I am strong, or I am made strong for all things, and the one who is constantly infusing strength to me. And what the apostle is really saying is not so much that he can do certain things himself, as that he is enabled to do certain things, indeed all things, by this one who is infusing strength into him. And the statement of Paul's must be read in context of what we read, Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, last week. Remember, Paul says, Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So joining these two scripture passages together, Paul has learned to be content in the Lord. He has learned, as we say in song, to be happy in Jesus wherever he finds himself, despite what is going on around him, because... God has been giving him strength to deal with every circumstance that comes into his life. And keep in mind 
The greater context is Paul writing the letter to the Philippian church while being imprisoned for his faith. He can endure all these things in a content spirit because God is strengthening him in the midst of it all. And if you're following on in your book, look at what is said in the first paragraph of page 291. This is so good that I cannot help but quote it. Lloyd-Jones says, But it is here in the 13th verse that we have the ultimate explanation. The real secret, says Paul, which I have discovered is that I am made strong for all things than the one who constantly is infusing strength into me. That is his final explanation. Now, I need scarcely remind you that 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 is the point to which the apostle always returns. Paul never works out an argument without coming back to it. That is the point to which he always brings every argument and discussion. Everything always ends in Christ and with Christ. He is the final point. He is the explanation of Paul's living and his whole outlook upon life. That is the doctrine which he commends to us here. In other words, he is telling us that Christ is all sufficient for every circumstance, for every eventuality, and for every possibility. And of course, in saying that, he is introducing us to what in many ways we may describe as the cardinal New Testament doctrine. Now that should catch our ears. What is the cardinal New Testament doctrine? What is the truth of all truths interwoven from Matthew to Revelation? Lloyd-Jones says the Christian life, after all, is a life. It is a power. It is an activity. That is the thing we so constantly tend to forget. It is not just a philosophy. It is not just a point of view It is not just a teaching that we take up and try to put into practice. It is all that, but it is something infinitely more. The very essence of the Christian life, according to the New Testament teaching everywhere, is that it is a mighty power that enters into us. It is a life, if you like, that is pulsating in us. It is an activity, and an activity on the part of, of God. End quote. Did you catch all that Martin Lloyd-Jones said? The Christian life is about Jesus Christ living in and through His people. The Christian life is about communing with God through God. The Christian life See the triune emphasis here. The Christian life is about God in Christ through the power of His Spirit breathing life into one soul. And in Ephesians, Paul points this picture out quite vividly. Remember, in Ephesians, Paul tells the church in Ephesus, you were spiritually dead. You were lifeless. You were in bondage to sin. You were the servants of Satan. Spiritually, you were 
blind, you were deaf, you were dumb. You were unconverted. You were hardened. And yet God, in His grace, through the new birth, gave you life. You have God quickened into spiritual life. And Lloyd-Jones is pointing out, this is what the Christian life is. This is what it means to be born again. The Christian life is about God performing His works in us. The Christian life is not merely about believing facts about God in our mind, but actually knowing God in our hearts and in our souls. On an intimate level, the Father child relationship life that's what lloyd jones is bringing to our attention and let me just say that this was the difference between jesus's true followers and the pharisees sadducees and the scribes the pharisees the sadducees the scribes prayed they honored the sabbath day they went to synagogue They read the Scriptures. Some of them taught the Scriptures. But Jesus said that they were lifeless. They were dead men. They were the blind leading the blind. In other words, while they were religious, they were unregenerated. They professed to know God with their lips, but in their hearts they did not know Christ. Christ was not their life. Christianity to them was all about rituals and routine, not about a personal relationship with God through Christ. And the same is true with many who profess the name of Christ, who go to a Christian church week by week. So many are dead in church simply because they don't have life. And it's no wonder That they're always depressed and defeated. You can't live the Christian life without Christ. You you can't be successful in the Christian life without life. There's a novel concept. So many don't grow in the context of the church because they don't have faith. True, active, living faith. Now, so many can't understand what the Bible says because they don't have the Spirit. They don't have what I call gospel glasses to properly comprehend spiritual truths. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. And so they go to the Bible and it's just words on a page. It's just a historical document. All it is is a book of rules and facts. There's no living relationship with the Creator through the Holy Spirit who is the author who abides within us. They go to church, they sit in the pew, they listen, they go home, they ignore their Bibles throughout the week, they go to church, they listen. I know we point our fingers at the Catholics for doing this, but many among Bible churches, Baptist churches, are guilty of it themselves. So there on page 292, Lloyd-Jones quotes John Wesley's favorite definition of a Christian, 
from Henry Skogel, in which he says that Christianity is not about being a good, decent, and moral person. Christianity is about the life of God in the soul of a man. The life of God in the soul of a man. And let's not forget that one of the reasons this was John Wesley's favorite quote was because Wesley himself was an Anglican evangelist, theologian, missionary who was involved in, quote, Christian ministry for years, all while being lost, all while being unsaved. Wesley wrote in his journal, December 2nd, 1737, quote, I went to America to convert the Indians, but oh, who shall convert me? Spiritual disciplines such as prayer, Bible reading, and fasting are helpful for a believer to strengthen and deepen a relationship with Christ. But if a person has not come to faith in Christ and been born again by the Spirit of God first, then no amount of spiritual discipline will ever bring about spiritual life. In fact, the road to hell can be paved with spiritual disciplines and good deeds. And upon his return to England, John Wesley came under the influence of a Moravian minister who taught him further about justification by faith and assurance of salvation. And on May 24th, 1738, Wesley made a journal entry that is now famous. As Wesley heard someone read a passage from Martin Luther's preface to Romans, he had a conversion experience. And Wesley writes, quote, while he was describing that is, Martin Luther, in the preface to Romans. While he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given to me that He had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. End quote. And thus, John joined his brother Charles in true faith in Christ. So this teaches us that, quote, Christian workers, theologians, evangelists, missionaries, can do Christian things without the life of God. And here, John Wesley is quoting the definition of another. What is Christianity? In its essence, Christianity is about the life of God and the soul of a man. And he knew that by personal experience. He tried to do Christian things all while being dead. It was all ritual. It was all routine. He had it here, but did not have it here. And so that's why Lloyd-Jones is bringing this to our attention. It's so easy to be caught up in religious routine. It's easy to be religious without being regenerated. Now back to our book, Lloyd-Jones continues his explanation of Philippians 4.13 by noting that Paul is not a Stoic, meaning that he has become indifferent to the world and its surroundings. Paul is not living life as if the world is hopeless and the best thing you can do is get through life the best you can and just refuse to let yourself be hurt by it. That's not what Paul is saying when he says Philippians 4.13. No, Paul is saying that In the strength that God gives through Christ, 
he has been victorious to live for God and his will. And wanting to make sure that we understand Paul's words in a biblically balanced way, Lloyd-Jones notes that it is needful that we don't exclude one phrase from another given in Philippians 4.13. And he points out two errors, two extremes that all of us are liable to give way to. Paul says, first, I. I can do all things. And some people major on the I, Lloyd-Jones says, thinking that what is needed in the Christian life ultimately is personal resolve and a strong willpower to live the Christian life. Overemphasizing the I is one error and one extreme that leads to discouragement and depression of Christians. That's what Lloyd-Jones is bringing out. Overemphasis of I. Shall we spell it out a little bit? Well, I have to pray for so many hours to be accepted by God. I have to read my Bible to be kept in the hands of Christ. I have to fight my sin so fiercely and passionately that it's all up to me. I, 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 me, 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 I must do what I need to do to keep myself preserved by God. I, I. I. That's the first error. That's the first extreme. The second error, the second extreme, is to obliterate the eye. Lloyd-Jones says that there are some who overemphasize the eye. There are those who tend to obliterate the eye, living as if the Christian life doesn't include their involvement. And sometimes people say, it, it's nothing of me. It's all of God. It's all of Christ. And even in, in sincerity, even in their zeal and their desire to honor God, it's, it's all of Him as if the Christian life is just passive. We just stand there and just God just works through us while we do nothing. And Lloyd-Jones is teaching us that if we're going to live the Christian life how God wants us to live, we need to understand that these two truths don't fight against one another, they work hand in hand with each other. And this is so good. We need to understand that. Look at the text again. Philippians 4.13 Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens there's the bridge. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Galatians 2.20 I I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He is not talking about saving yourself. He is not talking about you earning your way to heaven. Having received Christ, having been born again, it's your responsibility to be a doer of God's Word. Work out what you've been given. Work out your salvation 
with fear and trembling. The Christian life is not passive, it is active. It involves your involvement. But the phrase is not done. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. You work while God works. This is this a mystery? There is a bit of a mystery in this. This is the true biblical position. And the true biblical teaching is not an either-or, but a both-and. You see that? We work while God works. We can do all things as Christ strengthens us. We live, but Christ lives. It's not one to pick or choose. It's both. And putting it into a helpful illustration for us, Lloyd-Jones wants us to think of this truth in the realm of one's physical health. If you want to be healthy, what do you need to do? Do you need to diet or do you need to exercise? That's exactly what I had. Yes. Yes. And some people think, well, I can still eat donuts every day. If I go to the gym for three hours. (laughs) I can eat all the fast food that I desire so long as I just work it off later. Or on the other extreme, I'm just going to eat carrots. That's all I'm going to eat. But I'm never going to exercise. I'm never going to work my muscles. Never going to allow my blood to flow, my heart to beat. What do you need if you want to be physically healthy? You need both. Diet and exercise. And often, usually, it's our tendency to lean one way or the other. All diet, little exercise, or all exercise, little diet. And then on page 298, he speaks of the pastor's responsibility of preaching. And then he sets before, before us this question. How does a pastor, how does a preacher preach effectively? How is a pastor to know something of the blessing of God's Spirit? Does he just pray and expect God to fall on him as he stands behind the pulpit? No. He prays for God's blessing as he diligently gives himself to the study of God's Word. A pastor, a preacher needs both. Why? Because praying without preparation is sinful presumption. And likewise, preparation without prayer is sinful presumption. Some people are of the persuasion, well, God is just going to bless me Because I've put in the work. I've organized this sermon. I know the Greek words and the definitions. Look how smart I am. Surely it's going to be an amazing sermon. No, Paul said, I'm not going to preach. I don't want to preach with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power. And where do you get that? In prayer. This is is such a... 
unique balancing act for the pastor. And I've seen good men, even myself at times, stray to the right hand or to the left. There's so much busyness in ministry. They feel like they need to do and do and do and micromanage every person's problem. When the Bible says that the preacher is to give himself to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And then on the other extreme, there are pastors who never go among the flock. They never get to know the sheep on a personal level because they're just in the study 24-7. What does the pastor need? He needs both. He needs both. It's not an either or. It's a both and. And then on the bottom of page 298, Lloyd-Jones gives us the secret of living for Christ. Here's the secret of living for Christ. What is the secret of being the Christian soldier God wants us to be? Number one, to learn what God says in His Word. Number two, to do it. That's simple. I think we can all wrap our heads around that. If you want to be a victorious Christian, if you want to be a joyful Christian, a hopeful Christian, one who's not weighed down by depression. You need to know Christ. You need to spend time with Him. You need to learn what He wants you to do by constantly being in His revealed truth. And then number two, you must obey Him. And in this, you must avoid those things that will hamper the Spirit's blessing. So what do we do? Go back to the physical health illustration. You need to eat God's Word. You need to exercise. You need to eat and exercise. Blessing is not only in the knowing, but in the doing. Eat. Exercise. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God told the prophet Ezekiel, eat this roll. Eat this message that I want you to preach. You first consume it before you speak it to others. God's word is God's manna. God's word is the water of the Spirit. We need to feast upon it. We need to drink it down. So that we will know the living water. Eat, drink, consume, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. But we don't just eat and consume to sit there or to hide in a corner. We eat and consume truth to put what we receive into practice. We need both. I can do all things through Christ. Which strengthens me. So let me ask you this morning. Are you discouraged? Are you depressed? Let me ask you again. Do you have spiritual life within you? Have you been born again? Can you truly say that Christ is your life? Is there evidence in your life that Christ is your life? Can others tell that Christ is your life? And then, if you are in Christ... How's your diet? Not your physical diet. Your spiritual diet. Are you consuming God's Word? When are you consuming God's Word? How much of God's Word are you consuming? Do you only break out your Bibles on Sunday and then 
put it aside the rest of the week? Do you only bring it out when trouble comes and then ignore it when things are going well? How much are you consuming God's Word? And then with this, are you keeping yourself from sinful, sugary foods, spiritually speaking? The practices of the world. The entertainments that want to fight against pure thoughts. Are you exercising your faith? Some Christians say, Pastor, I'm not sure why I'm so depressed. I'm not sure why I'm so discouraged. I don't know why, after all these years, I'm not growing in my faith. And yet they're loving the things of this world. You're not going to grow. If you're embracing things that are sinful, if you're embracing things that are compromising in nature, you need to consume truth, and then you need to perform truth. And then let me ask this, are you overwhelmed with something God wants you to do? Perhaps some command given in the Scripture. Husbands, you're called to love your wife as Christ loved the church. What man among us can do that? Not a single one. So let's go back to Paul's text. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Wives, what wife can submit to her husband as unto the Lord? Go ahead. Any? What does Genesis 3 teach us regarding the struggle that women will face in the fall? It is a struggle. But you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. And sometimes there's a spouse married to an unsaved spouse. And you're to be the first line of evangelism in the family. Who can do that? When somebody you're living with is not on the same spiritual plane as you are, how can you love someone who doesn't love what you ultimately love? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Parents, we're called to raise our children in the admonition of the Lord. We're called to shepherd their souls, to discipline them, as the Bible tells us to discipline. What parent among us has the ability in and of themselves in this world that is antagonistic toward God? What parent can lead in a way that's pleasing in the Lord in and of their own strength? Not one. But I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. You see where this is applying? In every realm of life. You have an enemy. You have people who hate you and despise you. Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you and despise you. I can't do that. You're right. But you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You need to forgive someone who you don't feel like forgiving. You can't do it. But through Christ, you can. So this is the prescription that the doctor 
Lloyd-Jones gives in being happy in Jesus. This is the prescription of being a victorious soldier of Jesus Christ. What do you need to do? You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. You need to work while you rest in the Lord. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Well, we, we, we do labor. But as we labor, we realize without Christ we can do nothing. Unless the Lord bless, unless the Lord give us strength, we're, we're just working in a machine. Unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down, our work will just be monotonous. So we need the oil of the Spirit. We need the blessing of God to help us. So, as we conclude this study in spiritual depression, we take everything that Lloyd-Jones has told us to do in 21 chapters. And there's been a lot he's told us to do. But we do it in light of this final command. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. As we commune in the Lord, we take these biblical principles and work them out so that we might be a joyful servant of the Lord. The final cure. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me.